is the Cloud Enough Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud Enough Podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are brothers and freelancers focusing on Amazon Web Services. We do technical coaching, for example, for teams that start their journey with AWS or a specific topic like serverless, for example. On top of that, we do infrastructure bootstrapping, typically based on our infrastructure as code templates for our clients worldwide. In this podcast, every other week, we discuss a topic related to AWS. And the clue about that is, one of us prepares the topic, which is not known to the other one. So that is why I have to ask Michael, what's the subject for this episode, Michael? Yeah, Andreas, um, today I prepared some um, features that um, not everyone is aware of, um, of CloudFormation, that you can use to make your life a little bit easier. So I have a list of um, six um, unknown CloudFormation features, and I mean, there are probably a few people who know them, and I guess that you at least know most of them but um, whenever I have like a workshop about cloud formation people are very uh, happy to learn about those features so that's why we are going through them today and I'm interested or uh, I'm looking forward to see if you can add a seventh one here so that's the plan for today. Okay, Michael, so we are going into the very details of CloudFormation, the tips and tricks when you really want to become a CloudFormation professional. And then this is the episode. Wow, I'm looking forward to this. And I'm not sure if I know all the six that you will uh, be talking about. Okay, as always, Michael, um, there is a blog post related to this podcast episode. So if you want to check out the details later, you will find a link in the show notes and um, can read through what we discuss now um, as well. Before we start, I have another announcement to make. So um, last week, we released Marbot for Microsoft Teams. So it is now available to everyone. We ended the beta um, after about two months. So we got a lot of uh, tremendous feedback from our early customers um, that installed Marbot, uh, added it to their Microsoft Teams and used it to monitor their AWS infrastructure. Um, during the last month, Michael, uh, you have been working a lot on that product. Um, you implemented all the features that our customers from Slack already know about. So, for example, escalation, um, all the different wizards, the quick starts that we provide. So now we can say that the features on Marbot for Slack and Marbot for Microsoft Teams are equal. So we have feature parity here. And yeah, Marbot for Microsoft Teams is available. You can check it out in the app store that you will find within Microsoft Teams. Um, to get started, it's, it's quite easy. You install Marbot as an app in Microsoft Teams. Um, then Marbot will show up. He will basically speak to you and help you to set up everything you need. So we have um, some uh, quick start templates that help you CloudFormation and Terraform to set up everything you need, uh, SNS topics, CloudWatch event rules, and so on. And then you're ready to go. And um, there's a 14-day free trial. And after that, um, Marbot will ask you to subscribe via the AWS Marketplace. So at the end, um, 
the the build basically shows up on your AWS bill as well. So that's I think quite handy. Yeah, so that's a a great milestone for for both of us, Michael, for um, for Marbot um, that we now not only support Slack but also support Microsoft Teams, and we are already seeing traction for this. A lot of teams have installed uh, Microsoft Teams. It it even seems a little bit that Microsoft Teams is more popular than Slack out there, right? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. So that's true. We have three times more signups um, from Microsoft Teams than from Slack, which is uh, which was unexpected, but still, it's 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 great. So we we like it. Yeah. 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 So so when you use Slack or Microsoft Teams, you should definitely check out Marbot. Uh, you will find links in the show notes. Marbot helps you to monitor your infrastructure and make sure you never miss an alarm, an important alarm. Uh, so you will always be the first to know about an outage, not your customers or not your boss. <laughs> that's, that's basically, <laughs> that's probably the worst. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So then, Michael, let's dive into the subject. So uh, you promised us uh, six tips and tricks, unknown features of CloudFormation. So what's the first one, Michael? Yeah, so... The first one is uh, solving a problem. So if you ever um, develop CloudFormation templates, and I know that you do, um, the the biggest problem is that you you write your YAML file usually. So I think today most of the people are are using YAML to to write their files. But even if you use JSON, doesn't matter or doesn't change the the setting. And then the only way to test if it really works is to deploy it, to create a stack based on the template, and depending on the resources that are in your template, this can take a lot of time. So for example, if you ever spin up an Aurora cluster or an Elasticsearch cluster, then this can easily take over 30 minutes. And if something goes wrong after 30 minutes, then the whole thing rolls back and you basically start again. And with this kind of long um, cycle times, you can, I mean, if it if it takes 30 minutes and you have an eight-hour workday, then you can make exactly 16 tries per workday, which is not a lot um, if you're uh, kind of um, yeah, diving into an area that is new to you and you will make lots of mistakes, basically, and lots of parameter configurations that will not work. So how can we make this um, easier? Or how can we improve this workflow? And there is a, a tool called CloudFormation Linter. Um, and there are, I mean, there have been a couple of tools and, and now it, it looks like that CFN Lint is the tool um, that is best uh, supported it, it is supported by AWS and it is ma- maintained by AWS. And CloudFormation Lint does check your template. So basically, um, when you write your template, you can add CloudFormation Lint directly into your editor, for example, in VS Code or Sublime or whatever editor you use, there's a plugin. So you get, while typing, you basically get feedback from CloudFormation Lint. So it does a couple of checks. So for example, it checks if your um, parameters that you define and the properties match with the CloudFormation specification. So you basically cannot make any uh, uh, mistakes anymore, forgetting um, parameters or maybe uh, typos in parameters. So that's not possible anymore because uh, CloudFormation Lint checks the properties against the specification. Um, On top of that, there are a couple of more intelligent checks. So for example, they check, um, do you hard code passwords into your property? So for example, for an RDS database, if so, they will flag this as a problem. Um, So this is also kind of security related checks, but they are also kind of like um, performance related checks. So if you forget, sometimes you have to turn on a setting and this improves the situation dramatically. 
And CloudFormation Lint will will know that and will tell you. So that's the cool thing. And um, it's the the tool that I use daily and it helps me to make my CloudFormation templates more likely to create on the first try because most of the errors are just um, kind of captured by CloudFormation Lint. So that's a big, big recommendation. So if, if this is the only thing that you kind of do after this podcast or while you're listening is you, you check out CloudFormation Lint, you install it, and if possible, um, you also add it into your editor, and if possible, you also add it into your pipeline. And from this point on, uh, you will definitely increase your productivity even working with CloudFormation templates. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. So this is a very great tip. So I'm using CFN Lint as well. And I think it, it is uh, not only true for CloudFormation, by the way, it's true for Terraform as well. So Terraform has this language server now. Um, that's the way they do it. And they also help you to check the infrastructure's code when you write it. So I think, um, yeah, CFN Lint uh, is a really important tool and speeds up um, my work as well. So, yeah, very good tip here, Michael. Yeah, and as a side note, um, other tools that I use to create CloudFormation templates, um, I also use a, a tool called YAML-Lint. So this helps us to ensure that our YAML files are kind of consistent. So, for example, you can enforce that everyone uses single quotes, no one uses uh, double quotes. So things like this, there's also tooling for that. I mean, YAML-Lint doesn't know about that. It's a CloudFormation template. It only knows it's a YAML file, but that helps. And... If you are kind of using CloudFormation for a long time, then you may know the validate template command of CloudFormation. And I have to admit that I'm not using it anymore. So if CloudFormation Lint is happy with my template, I just um, um, turn uh, put it into uh, or turn it into a stack. I don't validate the template anymore with CloudFormation tooling because it takes a lot of time and the error, like the the, the results are not very helpful. So Using cloud uh, formation, the linter alone is is enough today to make sure that um, your templates are really uh, likely to succeed in a stack. <laughs> so that's kind of the benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree, Michael. That's that's really uh, that's really the case. The validate function is, I think, no more interesting. Cool. So, Michael, this was the first. So you promised six unknown cloud formation features. So which is next? Yeah. So. The next one is about, um, it, it is mostly about manage, if you manage EC2 instances in your templates. So when you define an EC2 instance or if you define an auto-scaling group, CloudFormation um, creates the EC2 instance and as soon as the instance is running from the perspective of the EC2 service, CloudFormation um, assumes that this resource is created and continues creating the dependent resources. But the problem is that CloudFormation does not wait until the operating system is really started and it doesn't wait until your user data is executed, for example. So in many situations, you want CloudFormation to wait until the software is ready as well. Um, so for example, you, uh, if you have a web server running, you want to wait until the, th the, like the, the web server is really listening on the port before you um, continue with the load balance and things like this. And... So how can we achieve this? And to achieve this, we need two kind of um, pieces and, and, and wire them together. And the first one that is uh, needed in the template itself is a so-called creation policy. And in the creation policy, you can tell CloudFormation to wait for um, a signal. And 
If you define a creation policy, you can also specify a timeout. So for example, I usually say, okay, wait for one signal and uh, timeout after 10 minutes, for example. So that's the CloudFormation template part. The creation policy needs to be defined with uh, a timeout. So now the question is, how can we send such a signal? And the answer is that if you use Amazon Linux, then uh, you are fine. Everything is installed um, for you. There is a binary called Sieve and Signal. It's a very small kind of tool. Um, and with CloudFormation Signal, you can send a signal to a stack. Um, and the cool thing here is that you cannot only signal, okay, it worked. You can also signal the opposite. So you can also say if something goes wrong, so for example, if your user data script um, breaks and you can also signal to CloudFormation, okay, it, it, it wasn't working. So it, you can um, kind of report a failure to CloudFormation. So if your report is success, then CloudFormation will continue as soon as the success signal um, is received. Um, and if you report a failure, CloudFormation will automatically roll back um, and, uh, and undo all the changes. So like the, the normal behavior from CloudFormation. And that's pretty cool. Um, and in combination with, um, so if you are using uh, running user data, then this is um, a bash script on Linux. And in, in combination with the trap command, uh, you can ensure that whenever the bash script fails, um, it tries to signal the failure back um, to CloudFormation. And that's very handy. Absolutely, Michael. So the trap uh, feature or the trap command basically um, in Bash is really helpful here. And I think that's the reason to check the blog post because there we have a code snippet where you can find that example. And that's definitely something you should have in your user data scripts when using um, creation policies. Yeah, very interesting. I think um, creation policies, um, the feature that I can basically um, indicate that a virtual machine is ready Uh, to CloudFormation, to my infrastructure's code tool is a really cool uh, feature, especially if you have to do... So mostly we use it basically when we do kind of legacy and lift and shift um, applications where we have dependencies between uh, services or machines and um, basically the application itself is not able to handle that. Um, um, nowadays you would probably build something in a way that it you can spin it up in, in every uh, order and it just the system finds each other and connects to each and retries until everything works. But in many situations, um, I think in lift and shift and legacy situations, um, that's not the case. And then this comes in very handy that you can have those dependencies and wait until something happened on your machine. I think this is really a cool thing. And this is also maybe something important to mention here. This is something you cannot do with Terraform easily. Of course, there you don't have this backend functionality where you can report a status from a resource too. I think that's um, that's the thing. And Michael, um, one thing I want to ask: so the creation policy, um, in which cases can I use that? So I can use it for EC2 instances. Um, can I also use it when I'm using an auto scaling group, for example, when I spin up new machines there? Yeah, I think those are exactly the two cases where you can use it uh, for uh, auto-scaling groups and for EC2 instances. I don't think it is supported for anything else. I mean, there's a very niche feature and this is not in my six in my list. So there's also a resource, a weight condition resource in CloudFormation, but that's not something that we'll talk about here today. But uh, auto-scaling groups, EC2 instances are the obvious in uh, resource types where you can use that. But for the like the, the interested uh, listeners, um, There's also this weight condition resource in CloudFormation, which 
uh, which support it as well. Um, but yeah, so I usually use this with um, with EC2 instances and auto scaling groups. And um, one comment um, based on what you said. Um, so if all the software is kind of part of the AMI and you don't have any user data, you basically don't do anything after you start the instance, then this is probably not very um, useful for you. But the more complicated your user data script gets, the more likely is that it will fail um, during startup. And it's really uh, convenient a convenient way to report this problem back to CloudFormation uh, because otherwise you will just continue um, and CloudFormation assumes, okay, everything is fine, but in, in practice it's not. Um, yeah, so as you said, um, it's not necessary that you use it and there are many ways to avoid it but uh, if you have to uh, do some magic in your user data scripts then um, i would recommend it okay cool yeah i think it's definitely helpful okay cool so um then what's next on the list michael yeah so the next thing is um similar um it's called the update policy um the update policy works very nice um with uh, auto scaling groups um so imagine that you uh, have uh, a CloudFormation template that defines a launch configuration and an auto-scaling group. And now you want to change the AMI because you have uh, created a new AMI. It contains some new uh, security fixes or maybe it contains the new release of your software. So how do you deploy this into your environment? And the, the benefit that you get from the update policy is that now you can CloudFormation, okay, how should this update happen inside the auto-scaling group. And you can define something called a rolling update. The rolling update means that CloudFormation will incrementally change the running easy, uh, or replace the running uh, instances in the auto-scaling group with the new launch configuration. So for example, you could define, you always want to add one instance first, then remove one of the old ones, then add an instance, remove an old one, and continue until you are through all the instances. If you have like a big auto-scaling group, you probably don't want to uh, have a uh, like size of one, a batch size of one. You can also tell CloudFormation, okay, always work with 10 instances at the time. You can also tell it to first turn down something and then recreate it. So there are many ways you can configure this, but basically it helps you to um, yeah, replace instances while they are running with, I mean, yeah, replace instances in an auto-scaling group and this also works very nicely together again with signaling. So if you signal back uh, from uh, your um, instance that you are done, uh, the uh, update policy can also respect that. Uh, so you can make sure that your update is actually working. Um, so that's uh, that's the update policy. And it, it it is only relevant for auto-scaling groups. Cool stuff, Michael. So I think that's that's very handy to have that rolling update built into your infrastructure as code tool. Very cool feature. Yeah, I like it. Okay, that was short, but uh, I think important. So what's the next um, feature, unknown feature that you have on your list? One thing to mention: I, I just said that the update policy only works with auto scaling groups, which is not necessary, uh, which is not correct. Uh, it it also works with a couple of others like Elasticsearch. So if you um, if you upgrade from one version to the other then you can define things in the update policy for Elasticsearch, so what's going to happen. It also works with mm -hmm. Elasticache and for uh, Lambda aliases. But yeah, it, that's really interesting. Um, and my main use case for it is auto-scaling groups. I also have used it for Elasticsearch. I haven't used it for um, the Elasticache um, use case I mentioned. 
but uh, it, it also sounds interesting if you if you do um, like updating your elastic cache um, versions okay so basically there i can define how does the update to another version work when i trigger it with cloud formation uh, okay yeah exactly cool stuff michael um Okay, so those are two very handful features, creation policy and update uh, policies to uh, make the management of the, the EC2s uh, basically a little bit easier. Um, and now we are going to talk about the next feature. And this is now a little bit different. It is also a policy. It's called deletion policy. But it, it, it doesn't really help us with the management of resources. It now helps us to prevent... Um, let's say, kind of disasters. So the problem is with um, cloud, or the problem why deletion policies exist is that some resources contain data. So for example, an RDS instance contains data. Um, and at the very beginning of uh, when CloudFormation supported RDS, um, if you deleted a stack, CloudFormation removed the, the database as well, the RDS instance as well. And The problem here is that if you remove an RDS database, you also remove all the automated snapshots. So that was the default back in the days. So basically, if you deleted the stack accidentally, you lost all your data. So there was no backup anymore. So now we get deletion policies. So with a deletion policy, you can tell CloudFormation for every resource that it should not delete the resource. It just uh, basically retains it. So it Like from the CloudFormation UI perspective, it is gone, but it's still in AWS. So it, it will basically keep the resource when the stack is deleted. So that's one behavior that you can define. And this works with all resource types. And then there's another behavior that is more powerful, but it only works with a like couple of um, resource types. And this is the, um, you can define that it CloudFormation should take a snapshot before it deletes the resource. And that's now very handy. So if your resource contains data, for example, it's an RDS, it's an EBS volume, um, maybe um, a Redshift cluster and a couple of other resource types, then CloudFormation will always create a snapshot and then deletes the resource. So you will not lose your data. So CloudFormation made a, in my eyes, a breaking change that what not really, wasn't really announced. They changed the behavior for RDS instances and also uh, RDS clusters And they enable this behavior now by default. So whenever you have an RDS instance in your template configured, the deletion policy is implicitly set to snapshot. So you will always get the last snapshot of your RDS instance. Um, so we discovered this because we run for, we have this uh, open source collection of uh, CloudFormation templates that are uh, like we create weekly uh, tests, weekly test runs of those templates. And at some point in time, we had a lot of snapshots of RDS on our bill. So I was just checking what's going on. And that's why I discovered that CloudFormation made this change. And now they always keep a snapshot for us, which is perfectly a very good behavior in almost all situations, but not in our situation where we have this like automated tests running. So we basically now need a cleanup script to get rid of them. Um, so that's the deletion policy. So I am... And I can make a, a note here or kind of a, uh, a side note. So CloudFormation Lint will check um, to uh, ensure that you set the deletion policy for the resource types that support it. So that's the benefit of CloudFormation Lint here, for example. And so you, you cannot forget to do this uh, because CloudFormation Lint will uh, remind you uh, that there is something uh, important missing the deletion policy. 
Cool. Yeah. So I think um, one other example where this deletion policy is very helpful is when you manage KMS, customer managed KMS keys. Um, because if you accidentally delete a stack and delete uh, your current KMS key, you will basically also lose all your data, including all your backups, because they are all encrypted with that key. Um, so I think that's another uh, very important resource to check whether you have um, the deletion policy um, set there as well. Yeah, so that's a very good point, Andreas. And I think that's today the easiest way to lose all your data on AWS is deleting the wrong KMS key, <laughs> um, which makes all your data, including all your backups, uh, kind of uh, garbage. So yeah, so all the KMS keys that I define, uh, I set deletion policy to retain. I mean, the the downside is that you pay one US dollar per month for every key, but the upside is that you kind of get rid of the risk of losing all your data. And in most situations, that's 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 far more um, like the benefit is much bigger than the the, the few dollar penalty uh, to keep the keys around. Yeah, um, until AWS figures out to not delete keys that are in use. <laughs> I mean, that would be a really <laughs> helpful protection. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, Michael, but I think, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So, with these deletion policies uh, in place and you retaining in uh, resources, the problem is if you spin up CloudFormation stacks regularly, um, you have to make sure that when you delete your stack, you then manually remove all the resources that have been retained. And I think that is, on the other hand, yeah, it, it goes a little bit, you, you lose a little bit of the features and functionalities of CloudFormation that are making it so powerful because you're not cleaning up everything then. So I yeah. think, yeah, that's the trade-off here. Um, but I agree, um, probably better to have that than losing data. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And the, the, I mean, the listener or some of the listeners might think, okay, why don't you use a parameter? So why can you just flip from a retain to delete? The problem is in policy, like in deletion policies and in update policies, you cannot reference something. So you cannot set and you cannot use conditions. So you cannot um, have like a flag a parameter that says, okay, this is this is production. And then you, you we basically turn it to retain your KMS key in all the other environments you set it to delete the default. Uh, so that's not possible because they need to be hard-coded. And I think that's, I mean, that would be a very, I mean, in my eyes, that would be a simple change to CloudFormation that has a big benefit for the users. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not it's not yet possible. But yeah, I think that's something that could change. Just add it to the public roadmap where they have 1,000 <laughs> <open> tickets <laughs> that they are not working on. So yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I am certain that Sorry. there is already a ticket for that, but I, I can check. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool stuff, Michael. So, um, okay, so we talked about the deletion policy, probably definitely something you want to check out, especially for your databases and data stuff. Um, what's next? Yeah, so the next is, again, a policy. So I hope I don't bore you with all my policies, but I really like those policies. Um, the next policy, um, so the deletion policy, let's one, get, go one step back. So deletion policy only kicks in if you delete the resource. So if you delete the stack or if the resource is deleted. But... If you use CloudFormation a little bit, um, then you recognize that um, if you change some properties, um, CloudFormation will replace the resource. So for most of the property changes, you can just update the resource in place. But sometimes um, CloudFormation creates a new resource and gets rid of the old one. And this is documented in the documentation, but it's still a behavior that sometimes is surprising. Um, so 
The problem is that the deletion policy does not kick in here. So if you replace, so if CloudFormation replaces your RDS database instance because you change the parameter that make uh, is makes it necessary to replace the, the the resource, then again, oops, your data is gone. So that's again a problem. And and this is where the update replace policy comes in. So the update replace policy is kind of the deletion policy, but for the scenario where a resource is replaced because of an update, um, and the interesting thing is here that the CloudFormation does not set defaults for RDS here. So remember, for RDS instances, the default is to uh, snapshot them when they are deleted, but not for update replace. So here you have to kind of define it on your own. Uh, and I think the risk is exactly the same. Like if you, I mean, if you don't specify deletion policy or if you don't specify an update replace policy, you always lose or have you always, the risk is that you lose your data. So you should always define both of them and you should set them to snapshot for the resources that are supported. And this is are basically the resources that support snapshotting. So um, RDS, uh, EBS, um, Elasticash, um, DOS4, uh, Redis only, then we have Redshift and, and Neptune, and, and maybe there are some, some more. But it's really a handful of, of resources, but they are um, used very often um, here. Okay, so that's the update replace policy. And are there any defaults here as well? Or is that something I always have to specify? Because with deletion policies, there is the default for at least RDS, but that's not the case for update replace policies? Or No, I don't think so, that there are any defaults there. So my okay. understanding is that this is that the default is delete yeah, for update replace policies, okay. for all resources. And then, then it gets even more important yeah, to do that. Okay, so basically you should go to your CloudFormation templates now and check whether you have update replace policies and delete policies in place. Yeah. And this is also something that is again checked by CloudFormation Lint. So they they also check the update replace mm -hmm. policies. I just saw this recently. So that's really nice. Um so they will make sure that yeah. So maybe we can just recommend uh, install CFN Lint and run it on all your templates and fix all the <laughs> the warnings which yeah. is probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't if you have never used it but yeah, yeah okay cool so that's a problem with cloud formation lint so i mean with every linter so if you use it the first time you will get maybe i mean depending on the size of the template you get 20 20 warnings and then you have to i mean you have, you have to fix them you can also ignore some of them i mean if you are if you have good reasons to do so but yeah cool uh so i counted five tips and tricks from you michael so there should be one more right yeah so there's one more and this is I, so this is kind of a, I think it's called love and hate relationship. Um, the tool that I uh, recommend uh, last uh, is CloudFormation init, CFN init. Um, so CFN init is a tool, again, that AWS uh, automatically adds to uh, all the instances, at least, that run on Amazon Linux. Um, and it's a tool to install additional software um, without writing bash scripts. So it can execute commands, it can create files, uh, it can download external files. Um, it can create users and groups. It can install packages and it can manage services. So it can turn on services and it can make sure that they are automatically turn on when the system starts. So that's kind of the functionality of CloudFormation in it. And do the configuration works over so-called metadata in CloudFormation. So you can attach a metadata um, prop, um, attribute to um, a resource, for example, an EC2 instance or, again, an autoscaling group. And within that, you define um, what kind of software is installed, what kind of files are created, and so on and so forth. And then in your user data script, you execute CloudFormation init. It's, again, a binary. And then it will 
kind of work on all these tasks. But in the metadata section where you configure it, you don't specify the commands. You, it's kind of a declarative way to uh, configure an instance. It's not as, as feature-rich as Chef, Puppet, Ansible, and so on. Uh, so it's kind of a uh, yeah, Chef, Puppet, Ansible for, for a very small set of, 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 of use cases. So I use it if I have a very, like if I have more simpler configuration needs. Um, um, and then it works and it has some problems and I can talk about them um, in a minute. But it's an easy way to integrate um, configuration of your machines into CloudFormation templates. And for small templates, small projects, and so I, I think that's a good choice. If you have a really big, uh, like big configuration needs, then I think you'd better use like a, a tool that 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 focuses on on configuration management, like Chef Puppet, Ansible, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, but CloudFormation in this is it's kind of handy in some situations. So that's kind of my yeah, opinion. Yeah, maybe maybe can you talk us through how does CFN in it work? So I'm using metadata, and then what happens with that metadata? So when how do we how do I I basically execute that on the machine. Yeah. How does that work? So the, the metadata is um, is kind of fetched by the CFN init command that you execute in your user data script. And the CFN init command or the binary is added by AWS for um, Amazon Linux automatically. I think for the other distributions, I'm not 100% sure, but I think you have to install them before. So there's some a package that you can install to get access to CFN init, um, CFN signal and all those tools. Yeah. So you have to execute it in in your user data script, and then it 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 fetches the information in um, from the metadata section of your resource. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, as far as I remember, that happens uh, when the instance is, is booting up. So basically, yeah, because it's in user data, that's basically one of the last steps uh, when bootstrapping the instance operating system. Yeah. Okay. That, that's correct. And and there are a couple of problems that arise out of this. So the first problem is you definitely should use this in combination with CFN signal. Because, I mean, if CFN init is running, it, lots of things can go wrong, basically. So if you if you download stuff from, from the internet, I mean, it can be just unavailable. So I definitely recommend it to use it in combination with a CFN signal. And the other problem is um, that, you, that you mentioned, it only, it only runs once when the instance starts up for the first time. So... How can you make changes on the fly while the instance is running? So what if you change the metadata of the template and that's all you change? So maybe you add a package to install. So this change will not be applied because the instance is already created. So AWS invented another tool. It's called CFN Hub. Uh, again, it's also installed by default on Amazon Linux. Um, and CFN Hub is basically a small tool that runs CFN init on a schedule. So for example, you can define it runs every every minute, every five minutes, every 10 minutes. And it, it's basically a grown job um, that, 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 that runs CFN in it uh, all the time. And if there's a change in your metadata, then it will pick that up and apply to the instance. So that's the way to get um, kind of changes onto your uh, instances. But then this is not something that you could easily uh, integrate and signal back to CloudFormation. So this is where it gets a little bit uh, um, tricky and hacky. But yeah, it's, it's possible with CFN Hub. Cool. Yeah, something I, I can mention here, Michael, is um, so another approach that I also um, like and have used uh, multiple times is um, I'm using Ansible um, to do the to you 
basically uh, implement a similar behavior. And what I have to mention here is I'm using Ansible in standalone mode. So typically Ansible is um, intended that you, you have, basically you use uh, Ansible from your local machine and then you connect over SSH and run commands on a fleet of servers or something like that. I'm not a big fan of stuff like that because um, you modify running instances and there's always the chance that uh, you have uh, configuration drift and things go wrong then. So that is... But what I like is um, I like um, using Ansible in standalone mode. What that means is I'm placing the um, the playbooks on the machine itself. So I'm copying them to the AMI or on startup to the machine. And then I run Ansible local on that EC2 instance uh, also as part of the user data script that we have in there. And then basically it's a very similar what you can do as we do with CFN in it, but um, I think the, the things that I like about Ansible is that um, yeah, the, the, the plugins and the commands that exist there are more advanced and you can do much more stuff without writing a lot of shell scripts and stuff. So I think this could be a helpful approach um, as well um, um, from case to case, of course. And, but, I, but I think you are right. Um, CFN init is a, a very good choice if you have just simple things to do to install some packages, start a few services. Um, then it's, I think, the perfect uh, tool of choice. But if it gets a little bit more complicated than that, I think it's also interesting to have a look at Ansible and use it in Ansible local or Ansible standalone uh, mode. Um, I think that is also kind uh, handy. Yeah, I agree. So basically, the only benefits of CloudFormation in it are that it's available by default on Amazon Linux. And you don't have to copy the playbooks because the playbooks are kind of part of your CloudFormation template. Um, yeah, but as soon as things get a little bit more complicated, I definitely would use a tool that focuses or that is like specializing in this problem area, like uh, you mentioned. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, so Michael, I counted now six uh, unknown features or tips and tricks that you shared with us. And um, maybe let me add uh, another one. <laughs> is that yeah, okay? Yeah, sure. Yep. Okay. Um, so I thought a little bit about that. So uh, what feature of CloudFormation that is maybe not too popular or not too much known is. And I, fo I thought um, what is really handy when I'm using CloudFormation those days is I really like the feature um, that CloudFormation stack sets are integrated with AWS organizations. And uh, maybe let me talk through that a little bit. So CloudFormation stack sets, what's, what's that first? So with CloudFormation stack sets, you can um, use CloudFormation to deploy a template um, to multiple regions, for example, very easily. So um, you don't have to create a stack manually in each and every region. You just tell CloudFormation stack sets, spin up this exact template uh, in the following regions. And then uh, stack sets will make sure that uh, those um, stacks are created automatically. And um, where this comes, uh, yeah, where this is really powerful is uh, you can not only deploy that to multiple regions with AWS organizations, you can uh, also deploy uh, a template um, to multiple AWS accounts. And for example, you can tell CloudFormation deploy this stack to all AWS accounts that are part of this organization uh, in the following regions. And then whenever you add a new account to your organization, um, CloudFormation stack sets will automatically deploy 
the stack to that new account. And it also works the other way around. If you remove an account from an organization, it will delete uh, the stack automatically. So, or at least you can configure it in a way that it does so. So I think that is really helpful and really powerful tool um, to manage multiple AWS accounts and an organization and to roll out um, security-related stuff or uh, a baseline configuration that you want to have in all your accounts uh, very easily without that you basically have to set up any infrastructure to do so. Yeah, that that's right, Andreas. That's, that's a feature that I also use very often. Um, yeah. Great. So cool. I think we are through the hidden features of CloudFormation. I hope that you um, at least um, learn something new um, and that you can check out the, the tooling and the, pol the policies uh, and improve your templates a little bit with this new knowledge here. So is there anything you want to add, Andreas, here? Uh, no, thank you very much, Michael. So this was very interesting. I also learned uh, something, and at least you reminded me uh, about some features that I might have uh, forgotten about. Um, thank you very much. Um, so there is uh, one thing I want to say. So, uh, dear listeners, uh, please make sure you add our Cloud and Out podcast to your favorite podcast app so that you automatically get informed whenever we publish an, an another episode, which will be in about two weeks. And um, also please share this podcast with a friend and make sure to spread the word about uh, the Cloud and Out podcast. Um, and last but not least, you will find links to our Twitter, LinkedIn and email. And just leave us a note, uh, leave us some feedback um, about that podcast episode. So thanks very much for listening and we will speak uh, in two weeks, Michael. Yeah, thanks for listening and see you. Bye. Bye.